With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. What's up, folks? Welcome in. Hardwood Handicappers on a dark day. And no, not because at least over by my place, it's a little cloudy. No, I don't even know what I was going to say after that because the NBA Finals are over. The NBA regular season was great. The finals and the postseason were awesome, but it's all over, Kelly. It's in the rearview mirror, and we are now officially in the offseason. How you feeling, buddy? You look tired. Yeah, you haven't been doing anything today. What are you? What's what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm a little tired. NBA golf, NBA golf, NBA golf. It's been back and forth. I'm not gonna not gonna lie, JVT. Uh, just like I said yesterday, I'm gonna enjoy the next few days of uh, not having to think about NBA every single day. But then I guarantee you, sometime this weekend, I'm gonna be like, I miss the NBA. I miss the NBA. But you know what? You know what's so great about the NBA? And we're not even to that point in the podcast yet. But the NBA offseason is the greatest reality TV show that's out there. I love it. I love all the rumors. I love all the gossip. I love all the reports, as silly as you think they are or not. I love tracking it all summer long. And before you know it, the NFL season started. And then about a week, two weeks later, it feels like the NBA is right back in action. That's right. Um, I will not be uh, so, what's the word I'm looking for? Lucky. That um, I'm actually, for those who, you know, I look a little preview for anybody listening today. Tomorrow, I'll be coming out with a look at the NBA Futures Board uh, in a in written word, if you nice. will. You can check that out over the website of Eason.com a day after. So for Thursday, we'll have our next version of the intelligence report for the NBA draft as we get ready for that. So that'll be good. We'll talk a little bit about that intelligence out there. Some of the rumors abound when it comes to the NBA draft. Desham Sharanya had a little bit of a report that I thought was very interesting. It should kind of shake up the market a little bit, but ultimately nothing came of it. But we focus on last night. Denver Nuggets get the win. The Denver Nuggets end up winning in five over the Miami Heat in a game that probably set basketball back probably about like, I don't know, what, like 15 <laughs> years. Uh, some of the old heads are probably watching that and going, this is the way it should be. 94-89. The fastest game of the series. I know there were some on Twitter like, this is a slog. Like, it's actually the quickest game we've seen in the series so right. far. 95 total possessions, but ugly offense, ugly from the perimeter. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time here because it's all over. But, Kelly, any initial thoughts, any takeaways? What's the first thing you think of when you think of the Denver the, Nuggets winning the championship? The first thing I think of is how how much me and you, or at least I myself, texted you a lot of, a lot of that crap last night, and then I'm realizing that we did an entire show, this entire two-hour show this morning, and we never really talked about that, of just how horrible of a basketball game it was, yes. really. Like, it, was, it was, yes, yes, there was, I know some of the old heads, and look, I do think there were points in that second half where there was some defensive intensity, and it was a 
yes, defensive game, but it was full. Of, it was still a game that was full of a buttload of turnovers with some ugly, ugly missed open shots. This is I, this is what I've always been critical of Jason Tatum with. But oh man, how many times did we see some guy attack the rim last night and miss a relatively easy layup? Jimmy Butler, it felt like Bam had about Ohio. three yep. or four of them himself. Um, those make me want to vomit every time. We had what the Nuggets missing free throws left and right. Um, what Can I tell have? you what irritated me? Thirteen you... for twenty three from the stripe is what they yep. ended up. Turnovers. Look. I like hold, like we talked about horrible shots. Like not even at the end of shot shot clocks. It was just a bad game, man. There, there was a lot of, and like these are the ones that irritate me. There was a lot of like passes from the top of the key to like the wing or the corner where there's clearly a defender standing in the lane, and they and they would just I don't know if they were just so tunnel vision and getting the ball out that they couldn't see him. How many passes did we see go the other way, like a pick six almost? Yeah, because guys just weren't paying attention to where yep. defenders were and trying to like sling balls into the corner or whatnot. It happened multiple we, times. It happened to Jimmy Butler near the end of the game. Like it, it, it was everywhere. It was absolutely yeah, everywhere. The Bam, like what did, didn't Bam throw? That was last game, right? That was last night, yep. right? Bam threw, throws the pass to the corner where nobody's at, and it's right yep. into the Heat bench. Like that happened. Um, yeah, I'm trying to now that we're doing this. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this pod again today because we did do a show this morning. We hit on a lot of this stuff, but we didn't talk about a lot of things. For for some of the some of us that were on, now I don't think this would have panned out at the end. But for some of us that did lay the points with the Nuggets last night, oh boy, did that Jimmy Butler, uh, I don't know, call non call on the three, uh, end up being huge. Um, I don't know your thoughts on that. I want to get your thoughts on that because I kind of felt it should have been a no foul either way, but Nuggets had clear possession after the missed three. That's the way I took it. But I, I don't, I don't blame the guys who were calling the game freaking out about how it could have been called an offensive foul. Yeah, here's the thing. So there's, there's actually a couple of things from this, and you're right. We did not bring this up on a numbers game earlier today. Um, first off, it's either a no call or an offensive foul. I think that yes. those are the only two options. In no world. Is that a foul on Aaron Gordon getting kicked in the nuts by Jimmy Butler and and calling a defensive foul is absolutely incredible and more egregious is going to replay and watching right. it right. and saying calls upheld. Yep, they're going to lose the replay challenge. Official again, JVT. Yeah, replay official Scott Foster. Yeah, yeah. the extender at work yet again. I mean, I, this was. The best, the best thing I can compare it to, JVT, is it's the it's the pass rusher right in the NFL who who pulls up when he's about to drill the quarterback who's just gotten rid of the ball. Aaron Gordon did about as much as he possibly could to avoid land getting in that landing zone of Jimmy Butler, right? And we could argue maybe he's kind of in it, kind of not. Nah, he but wasn't. I, but I I would say he wasn't, and I'd argue right back that Jimmy Butler definitely flailed on that kick. Like that was a that was a purposeful flailing kick to try to draw something there. So I don't know if you if you're a little salty today because you laid eight and a half or nine. I think you've got a little bit of a right to be. We well, also saw we also saw at the very end, JVT, another game where apparently the Heat just decided to wave the white flag. I didn't think it was as egregious as what we saw in what was that game three where it was tight and they kind of like just stopped Yeah, it was like late. a minute and a half left. They quit. Yeah, yeah something like that. Right, yeah. Like, I, what? they're down five. There's 14 seconds left. Like, you ain't playing this all the way out to the end? Yeah, I really quit. Just let's, going back to that foul call, because I, yeah, we, yeah. we should, we should note too, 
the NBA is very lucky that that thing did not get did the did not change things for mm-hmm. a result because that was bad, man. And you're you're looking at that and you're going, holy smokes! Like this could make all the difference in the world because Butler has part of that. What was it? Was it a nine point burst or an eleven point outburst that kind of got the Heat right back in that thing? At least scored, nine for me. Yeah, he had yeah, scored nine straight. Nine. But you're talking about it was an eighty six eighty two game. Butler comes in then makes all three of his free throws. Michael Porter Jr. hits uh, misses a a step back jump shot. And all of a sudden, Butler comes down and hits another jump shot to give the Heat a one-point lead. If that call, like if they win that game, and all of a sudden you're talking about 3-2 going back to Miami potentially, like that change, that could change everything. And yes. to, your, to your point about the example of the, the replay in the NFL, like the, you know, the sack, yeah. it's more egregious because it's like saying that, plus the officials have the, the power to go back after a challenge to look at it and go, mm, nope, sorry, still can't overturn it. That was insanity. The, the <laughs> right, fact yeah. that it that that yeah. it was upheld. I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not beating the table for that thing to get flipped into an offensive foul. But the fact that that thing gets yes. upheld yes. is insane to me. Insane. I, They're lucky that thing did not change the game. No, totally, to- totally. Because who? I mean, yes. Like you're kind of hinting at. I mean, who? Who knows? This goes back to Miami. Miami wins. Hold, you know, hold serve at home, and then you're all of a sudden in a game seven, like th- because of a call, essentially one call. Uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been incredible. I did I did think the I was trying to give the officials a little bit more gray area than what the what the what the broadcast crew was last night because they were all about the uh, the offensive foul. I'm with you. I thought it, it should have been I thought it should have been a no foul either way. But Jamal Murray clearly got the rebound, so it should have been Nuggets basketball going the other way. I and look be, partially because the Nuggets clearly got the ball made me think it was okay too, right? We're like, I don't think you need to call an, an offensive foul. Fine. Just call it nothing. We got possession, roll it back, Denver ball. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that was, you're right. We didn't catch enough of that. We didn't blame Scott Foster like we should have. That was incredible that again, like that guy's in the center of it. That's, that is one of the things, as I've always said, we know the history with Scott Foster and at the very least, right. The implication of his over 150 calls to Tim Donaghy at a, a very crucial time. Um, <laughs> The NBA does itself no favors with stuff like this. Yeah, like, it does itself really. no favors. The fact that it's Scott Foster in the replay center, the one that upholds a call like that, and then we, you know, I sit back like, I'm not some, people peg me as some great defender, white knight of the NBA. Every time some issue comes up, somebody throws it at me, like, shoot, look at this. I'm like, I don't really care. I like the sport, <laughs> you know, I have to stick up for it every time. And generally, I'll push back on the nonsense of, it's fixed, the NBA wants certain things. It does itself no favors with stuff like this. Absolutely not. I'm also noticing, because I guess I've never checked on this before, so what we, uh, those really nice officiating last two-minute reports we get throughout the entire regular season, what, uh, they stopped on game one of the NBA Finals from what I'm looking at on the NBA Uh, page? No, so I think, I'm trying to remember, because I I think... No, or is there like think, a separate page for the finals I'm not seeing or something? No, maybe there's a separate page. I could have sworn that they always do them. Or I heard something where, is there like a trigger for, you know, the last two-minute reports? Like maybe if there's like a call or something like that, or I don't know. I, I, I won't. I won't be quoted on that. But you're right. And by the I mean, that one was, that was with 321 left to go, though. So that would not have been in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was outside two minutes. Everybody yep. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I was so, like, I was like, let me see if they got something to say here. But no. Yeah, no, no, no. That would well, they would have upheld it. They would have been fine with it. They would have right, been like, yeah, that's the right yeah. call. 
the way we do it. Um, also yesterday, so one of the takeaways I think too is, and this is kind of big picture stuff as we spin forward to next year, Denver's awesome and they're going to be awesome for a really long time. <laughs> like I think, I, I don't think people, I shouldn't say I don't think people understand, so I won't, but this team is going to be back together. And even with Bruce Brown's comments after the championship where saying money isn't everything, he's got a player option for, what are we talking about, $6.8 million next year. Bruce Brown can decline that and make way more money, and the Nuggets can't pay him. Uh, he's, he, they're not going to be able to give him over $10 million a year, whatever he's looking for. Yeah. But he could take it, make less than market value, stick around, and all of a sudden the entire championship team is back. Real quick, though, do you really think that's going to happen? I think Bruce Brown, I think he's going to be able to get a nice little bag uh, here. I, 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 I think everybody's back but him. I, I think it's easy to say when alcohol is flowing and the adrenaline's pumping right, that after you, you win a championship. Back. Yeah. Right, Having yeah. said that, when you're actually sat down and looking at some of the figures and going, bro, That's you like can make 15, $15 million like, dollars more. <laughs> yeah, like 15 <laughs> like more per or something like that. Who knows, though? Some guys are cut from a different cloth. Some guys want best shots at championships. You know, $6.8 million is nothing to sneeze at. And, uh, you know, making okay, let, a... And a Go ahead. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase. Bruce Brown, if you're out there listening right now, I know you're a big fan of hardwood handicappers. Yeah. You're a young kid. Go get that money. You can play Mr. Nice Guy later in your career. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, the, the risk is that you take it, you get injured, and blah, 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 right? But theoretically, could Bruce Brown tick, pick, pick up his player option, shoot for one more shot with the Denver Nuggets, may, hell, maybe even win one, and then hit free agency, like then get his bag, you know, like put it off a year? That's, there's a potential. It could yeah. happen. Uh, but you you risk that, and you risk having a down year and whatnot. But I would think that Bruce Brown's track record all around the NBA, from what he did at Brooklyn to here, he's going to get paid whenever he hits the open market and like paid for a player of his status. He he's an ultimate role player. He's awesome. He's like actually like a small ball power forward. He, he yeah. can like do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he's he's set for a payday. So I would say yes. I think it's when the Mick Ultra is flowing. I think it's easy to say it, but uh, not that. You know how that Mick Ultra gets you. <laughs> I still say, I know I made the joke we were on a numbers game for our audience. That, that's, that is corporate America ruining like ruining us. Oh, the fact incredible. that Mick Ultra was the beer of choice. There's no shot that was the beer of choice. Oh, not at all. Not at all. The, uh, we, the, I'm just looking at some of these contracts right now. The uh, Man, that Aaron Gordon one's sweet. Like the, the player dude, that he right? he's developed into i don't think enough is made of that right like this was this was a kid coming out of school all we were excited about was his high-flying dunking ability and you know hopefully drawing some interest to an orlando magic market the way that this guy has accepted his role continued to develop in the areas of his game where he knew he could make an impact in the nba um should be applauded. And yeah, I mean, you know, I love Jamal Murray watching, watching Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon get pretty emotional last night. Like it yep. had, it had me get a little, it was a little dusty in my apartment last yep. night where I'm like, these two guys, I love them both. They worked so hard. <laughs> well, and, and also like, so Jamal Murray's got that like good heart wrenching story of after he tears his ACL on the team boss and mm-hmm. he asks Michael Malone, are you going to trade me because I've damaged goods? Like that's such a, <laughs> that's such a sad line. It is. It's and, so and then it sad. gets, 
And then it gets even more emotional when allegedly Malone hugs him and tells him, no, you're ours. I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then JVT, quick transition to, uh, hey, Nicole, how do you feel about an NBA championship? Yeah. Oh, you know, clock in, clock out, time to go yep. home. I got to feed my horses. Where, yep. Where's the quickest flight out of here? Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to get out. Um, to your point too. So Jokic is actually in the first, he's going to hit the first year of his mega deal uh, coming up. How about this? This is crazy. So cleaning the glass has everything. They also have a great salaries tab where you can look at all the oh, salaries and how much they extend through up. from. Uh, oh, dude, check it out right now. It's brilliant. It's so easy to read too. Um, how about this for Jokic? He has a $61.9 million player option for 2027. That's amazing. That is amazing. I'm looking at it right now. That is great. <laughs> you know what's even crazier? Like realistically, there's a world in which he actually declines it because he's due for more money. Sure. Uh, can you imagine turning down $61.9 million because I have better options? I can, I can <laughs> sign for more. So I, I really hope Michael Porter Jr. bounces back. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I Just from what the finals, the, the finals that he gets, I really hope that doesn't stay with him because, man, if you like, if you're able to keep those four together, mm-hmm. right? Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, man, like me and you talked a lot about it on a numbers game today, but it is, I, I'm such a believer in the kind of roster construction that Denver has, right? Where it's, right. you've got your two stars. And of course it helps to have arguably the best basketball player on the planet, but like you have your two stars, You've got a few, not like, I think it's insulting to call them role players when you talk about Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, right? But then like you get the specialists like KCP and Bruce Brown. Like these are, this is, you need eight deep, you know, of really quality basketball players. And that's what they have right now. Like you're talking about, there's, there's really not much to think that this team is going to change all that much heading into next year. Meanwhile, the rest of the I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're going to be definitely the team that wins Western Conference next year, but the teams that are going to compete with them right. need to make some pretty drastic changes to their rosters this offseason, in my opinion. Yep. Jokic, Murray, Porter, Aaron Gordon, and uh, we'll, we'll say those four at least all, all um, together on the books through 2024, 2025. That's the last year of Jamal Murray's current deal. Yeah. Um, more than likely, he's one of their franchise cornerstones. He's going to sign, so you can expect that to extend out. Um, even guys like Contavious Caldwell Pope, I was just he say, signed. Yeah. Yep, he signed through 2023, 2024. He's got a player option for 24, 25. Um, Which with that kind of money, like that's a great, that's a great contract to have. Yep. Like that, that's a player that you're going to use. Oh, for sure, for sure. And like for KCP, I mean, who knows? I mean, fifteen point four million dollars in a third year is not is not terrible. Like, so he'll probably take that player option. Yeah. You would think when it comes for the last year of it. And as we know, Christian Brown, obviously a rookie, they've got him for a while at, at very cheap. And you don't you have to clean up your rotations and get some depth for the regular season by the time the offseason comes around? Sure. But the, the core of what this team is is going to be available. And that's that's going to be good for a team that is um, in a Western Conference that right now, I think they look like the clear-cut best team. You know, even, even with the Phoenix Suns returning intact with whatever they're going to do, I think that Denver is the best team in the Western Conference. They should go off as Western Conference favorites and I think NBA title favorites. But as I made the bet with you uh, while we were talking about it on the air, I would I would bet dollars to donuts that I don't think they're going to go off as like the sixth choice, but I'm willing to yeah. bet that they're not the favorite to win the NBA title once the regular season comes around because the hype will be too strong on some team that makes some sort of move. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I guess the uh, the only player they're really going to be missing is the uh, the the amazing Reggie Jackson performance they got this hey. year. 
Don't talk smack about Big Gov, all right? You know why they call him Big Government, right? No, why? Because he's always bailing you out, baby. Oh, there you go. I made so much money on him, player props. Like, what is that, the past two seasons? He was great. Um, But uh, I'd be like, I don't think that speaks to this team, right? Like, the fact that that's another thing that probably gets glanced over. Like, there was a lot of us at the trade deadline confused why this team was shipping off Bones Highland. And like, nope, like, guess what? They shipped off Bones Highland, basically didn't use anybody they got in return and still went out, went out Dude, there and won an NBA title. What happened to Thomas Bryant? Like, Thomas was, Bryant, yes. Yeah. Like he <laughs> was a key contributor, like, for the Lakers for a while. By the way, shout out to DeAndre Jordan. Don't let anybody tell you that DeAndre Jordan didn't work for his NBA Finals ring. Played three minutes the other night, last night, huh? That's, that's right. That Blocked was, a that shot. Was, that was hilarious. What, what was it? The, uh, uh, was it like they went right into zone with their yep. DeAndre was like so obvious. DeAndre Jordan's like, I have no idea what to do. Like, yep. I, I have no Like, I, I could hang out here in the mid-range, but everybody on this planet knows I'm not a threat. Did his job, though. Did his job. Uh, I will say, too, so I want to really quickly point out. So we talk a lot about Denver's offense, and the offense has been great throughout this entire run. Last night wasn't great, missing a bunch of shots. But in listening to a lot of the post-game coverage and and listening to Michael Malone, and I think I want to speak to this, too, really quickly because I brought this up on a numbers game. Michael Malone's an awesome head coach. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what this team has done to improve as the years have gone along, not just, you know, their offense, which has been great this entire time, Kelly, but you see, like, this slow shift. You know, when he first got there, they were 25th, 29th, 21st in defense. But the last four years, non-garbage time defensive efficiency, 11th, 16th, 11th, 15th. You know, they slipped to 17th this year, but they've been better defensively. And their defensive rating and their defensive play throughout this entire run was awesome. And in this game too, man, like the key moment, I thought like the like the key moment, the quintessential moment, when Aaron Gordon swallowed up Kyle Lowry oh, yeah. and blocked that shot and took it the other way, the I defense mean, also- was Huh? I also have no idea what the hell Kyle Lowry was thinking on that play besides he was trying to draw a foul, I guess. Right. But. I, I think that's what he was doing. By the way, he, he, shout out to Kyle Lowry going over his player problems. That's right. That that's awesome. right. Thanks, Kyle. Well, thanks, Kyle. We appreciate it. Um, this defense was great, though. And one of the things I think we come out of this, too, as we when we enter postseason play, because the regular season's different, no more talking about Jokic as a defensive liability, man. When, when yep. he wants to be, he's big enough and long enough and at least dedicated enough to be an alterer of shots within four feet of the basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about something after the show we did today. What, what did uh, who were we talking about with the player? Oh, it was Fred VanVleet. All right, I'm going to throw something a little. Who's the best basketball player in the NBA right now? I don't know. I'm getting a longer pause from JVT than I actually thought I would get. Okay, it's so, between two guys. Who's the two guys to you? Jokic and Giannis. Okay, me too. Me too. But I think about this the way I was thinking about this more after we had the Fred Van Vliet conversation. You think it's Fred Van Vliet? (laughs) (laughs) No, more about the comparison between those two, right? And I think the way you put it about Fred Van Vliet applies to these two, where Jokic is a better player with if if he has the better team surrounding him. Giannis is the guy. If you were like, hey, you get you're trying to pick what's the like you're going to the magic. Like you're going to you're go or you're going to a team that has nothing. Giannis is the guy I think I want starting that just Ooh. because I know the consistent offense and defense I'm going to get from him scoring wise. And then the the I do yes, Jokic deserves credit for the defense that he played throughout the playoffs. Giannis Antetokounmpo still a better defensive player. I think yes, he is. 
But I would say, I would argue that I think it's the opposite. Because he makes the, the he, worst team, the worst players better. Yep. Yeah. I think it's yeah, a like, fascinating conversation. I it do. is. Because his passing and his ability and on offense, Jokic, he makes people better. And so, like, that offense is going to be better because Jokic is just there. Like, plop yeah. him in the middle of the Detroit Pistons, and all of a sudden the Pistons are going to become, like, an adequate offense at the very least because he's going to at least you know, put guys where they're supposed to be. He's like a quarterback. He's like a quarterback that's no, going to totally. throw guys open and do it. Now, overall, defensively, how much better are they going to be, especially if we're talking about the intricacies of regular season? Yeah, probably not. But he does raise the floor of your offense. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. It but is. either way, it point is. still stands, right? The other one that I was talking with our producer, Stephen, uh, uh, while we were waiting for you, where the other thing, I guess the other – My bad, the, man. I'm sorry. Other, a couple minutes late. <laughs> you're good, man. You're good. I love catching up with Stephen. Yeah. The other pro with Jokic is, in theory – He's the type of player, like we see Giannis get injured in that first round. Why? Because Giannis, to be successful, right. has to be a super aggressive offense. Overtly physical. And those those type of injuries are going to happen. Nikola Jokic, what does the guy do? He's not super athletic. He's not attacking the rim. He's not putting himself in situations where he's going to be caught up in the air, crashing to the ground like some of these other guys. As long as he can avoid what the AD type foot injury stuff that we see big men get stuck with over their careers. As long as he can avoid that, there's no reason to think this guy can't do what he does well for a very long time. I mean, he already looks like he's 50 years old playing yeah. out there. He's just right. a wizard doing it. Uh, all right, let's take a, how about this? Let's take our break. When we come back, um, let's discuss the Miami heat side of things in terms of the future for them. Um, we talked a little bit about him on the numbers game. We can bring it up here on the podcast. How, what, if anything, can we use to identify teams like Miami going forward in terms of runs through the postseason that we did not see coming? And a quick look at free agency as well as uh, the first big domino at least fell when Fred Van Vliet decided to decline his player option. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Kelly, what do we do now going forward 
with teams like the Miami Heat. Or not even teams like the Miami Heat, because we don't see them coming. When you see such extreme differences from regular season to postseason, I know that a lot of people want to say, see, regular season doesn't matter. I would say it does. I would say if, you know, I kept using this term, and I know our friend, uh, I think Andy, disagreed with me. I kept saying as they as they get going further along that the real Miami Heat kept shining through the cracks and that they were there in plain sight. People didn't want to see them. I mean, you look at it, the way they, they lost, I think they lost seven out of their last nine games or something like that, and multiple games by double digits. The offense wasn't really great. Yeah, right. They lost three straight to Boston, 1-1, and then they lost three out of four, yeah, or excuse me, four out right. of five. So, yeah, we're talking about seven out of the last nine, something like that. Um, the shooting was inconsistent. The offense was inconsistent. The defense was good, and that's exactly what they were in the regular season. Like, after a very big shooting performance – against the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, Miami started to really show who they were. So I would very much push back on the regular season doesn't matter, but they still made the run. So mm-hmm. how do we like, how do we parse this? What indicators do we look for? Like, what, what do you make of trying to identify the next Miami heat? I think it's, I think it's nearly impossible. I, I, I don't think that's, I don't, I don't mean that to be a cop out answer. Everybody knows I've been pretty betting pretty heavily against this team almost throughout the entirety of the playoffs. Uh, you know, Gil pushes me on this a lot on a numbers game, bringing up the same kind of question. And it, look, yes, I, is there something to a playoff Jimmy Butler? Yes, there is. I, I think that there is. The Miami Heat have basically admitted at this point that look, they don't they don't want to have a bunch of guys taking a ton of games off during the regular season. But I I think they pick and choose their moments of you know when they're going full effort and when they're going to kind of back off a little bit during the regular season. So I think it lends to having some of your veteran guys fresher for the playoffs uh, like Jimmy Butler was until he got hurt. I mean, this is, we probably haven't made enough of that. Jimmy Butler's not going to make enough of that. I'm sure we're going to get a report here in the next couple days about whatever injury he's playing through. It's just not the same guy that we saw the past, you know, Mm -hmm. two rounds from what we saw early in the playoffs. Um, But look, you need a player like that. You need a coach like Eric Spolstra, who I do really think, I, I, we make a lot about heat culture, but whatever, being able to get every ounce of effort and talent out of some of these players that nobody else saw anything in has to be respected. The fact that they build up enough confidence in these guys to actually show up in these big moments against superstars. I, it, it's, there's something there within that organization that we cannot uh, would define. We cannot put quantify or put a number on it. I just don't – I would spin it back the other way, JVT. How many other teams out there, though, do you feel like there's really that kind of chemistry with and those kind of right. – that you know, that have that same kind of makeup? You know, and, and, and there's a track record at this point, too, right? Like, this team has done this – I don't want to say with the drastic differences between regular season and, and postseason, but, like, okay, last – the year before, they were doing this with the same the same guys – you know, it's like they went out and added some big superstar and they finished first in the in the East of the regular season last year. So, um, you know, I know Tom, Tom Haberstroh, right? We talked to him is probably a month ago at this point. And, you know, he made the case of, of a, you know, three-point shooting a year ago and, and what it is now. Maybe there's somewhere in between. I, you know, I don't know if they, I don't know if it's exactly that. But, yeah, I think these type of players, they, they're going to keep running through you know, unless they trade them all away for Damian Lillard, you're going to keep running through a lot of these role players and it's, you go with the hot hand, man. And that's what they've been doing for four years now. It feels like. Yeah. I think those are all really good points, especially about having a coach like Spolstra, having a team that's been together. Uh, I think that always are going to be good indicators uh, for somebody. And when I talk about like them 
being the regular season team, you know, kind of showing through the cracks here, you know, a regular season, for example, how about this? Like this is eerily similar regular season, Miami heat offensive rating, one twelve point three, defensive rating, one twelve point eight, net rating negative 0.5 Miami heat after the Milwaukee Bucks series, one twelve point two, one eleven point two, and a net rating of plus one. That's like yeah. almost right in line with what they were as a team. Regular season, Miami Heat shot 30, uh, 34.8% from three. Postseason, Miami Heat, after the Milwaukee Bucks series, shot 36% from three. You know, like this is yeah. – so, you know, when you see that, and that's why, I, like, when I make this comment, I think overall your points are all right. Like, hey, look, man, it's a team that was really good the season before, that got hot, knew each other, drew the right matchups. I mean, it's not taking away from anything to say that it's Milwaukee right. – like, got, Giannis got hurt immediately uh, in that series – when you look at the Knicks series, matched up very well with them. And against, you know, took advantage of the Boston Celtics. Like, again, the Celtics deserve to be criticized for their struggles in clutch mm-hmm. minutes. And that came up in a really big way. But I think when you actually realistically look at this run from Miami, I think you, not you, Kelly, but like anybody out there who is trying to give us crap about, or anybody crap, about Vegas giving giving Vegas crap about you never knew you were wrong you can't to use Bomani Jones term you can't conceptualize you know what this Miami Heat team is I just read you off the numbers after they beat Milwaukee they were the regular season Miami Heat like they were exactly what we thought they were going to be yeah the, I, I think there's also something to like like okay the Heat like, man like I like they deserve so much credit but like also wins the last time they've won a title. Right. Like it does. It's it's go back to when they had superstar players. I understand they've made the finals. I understand they've made the Eastern Conference finals regularly. But the last time you took home a trophy, it did involve LeBron James. So um, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't think I think this is a team that you can continue year in and year out to see these wild fluctuations by, from them. Um as long as the current makeup kind of stays together. But now that I'm like, I'm looking everywhere else at every other team in the NBA. And I've, I've mentally crossed off every single other team. I don't, I don't think there is another team in the NBA that you think that they, you could watch play poorly in the regular season. And before the playoffs start, you would be willing to put money down on them to like win an NBA title, to win a conference at, at a super long number and actually feel confident oh. in it. Like you could with the Miami. Heat. And here's the thing. Because the heat culture stuff was real going into the play-in. And then the masses watched them get their skulls just absolutely drubbed off the floor by the Atlanta Hawks. And that quieted down real quick. Yep. Yep. You know? And so, like, that's the thought of, like, there was, like, this, there was this, like, quiet confidence. Like, oh, they can at least beat Atlanta. And then Atlanta went out there and did what they did in that play-in game. And everybody was like, hmm. So then afterwards, I thought that it, it was cheap, this weird discourse around laughing at Vegas again. And, and as I've said before on this podcast, I've said it to you. I do think a lot of the dunking on Vegas and whatnot is tied a lot to anti-analytics and not wanting to dive into math and numbers and all that kind of stuff, um, i.e. the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, ESPN, BPI number. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people want to push back on that. So I think that's part of it too. But I think you're right. It's like, like let's stop acting like we're looking around and going, what's going on with this heat team? You got to be mispriced. Like they were destroyed in the play. I needed a 12 nothing run to get back into the playoffs. And we know the rest is history. And, so. and having said all of that, like, I hope nobody takes this as like, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on the heat. Like they're special in that sense. Like they are. Oh, they should what, always be remembered for this run. This yeah, is incredible. The run that they put together. With, like, 
JVT, there's a good chance I remember this Heat run this postseason better than I remember this Denver run five years from now, ten years from now. Like, this was incredible, what they did through mm. the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's fine. You can disagree. It's all good. Mm. Like, like, it is what they did, I did not see coming. I It was far more unlikely to me for the Miami Heat to reach the NBA Finals than the Denver Nuggets, so it wasn't even close. Kelly, I, Den- Denver haters, usual. Interesting. But, no, no, no. Typical no. East Coast. Because here's the here's the other thing I'm gonna put. Here's the other thing I'm gonna turn around. Everybody wants to talk about Heat culture. But what about Denver culture? What about the fact that you did ship off Bones Highland in, in the middle of the season? A guy who you know a year ago, two years ago, was a constant contributor off your bench, right? That nobody, that everybody seemingly crushed this team for for doing making that trade. And I know there was all the reports of the inner turmoil and everything going on, but isn't that culture? Isn't yeah. that Denver saying, hey, our team's going to function better if everybody's on the same page? Well, culture, how about this? So, yeah, one of the player development guys, it was funny. Did you listen to the Brian Windhorst, um, Zach Lowe post-game pod no. for, the, for last night? So they, they've been doing them like from the floor. And so yesterday they're doing it after the celebration and all that stuff. And some guy who allegedly doesn't drink, um, sounding very happy who worked in the front office for the Denver Nuggets, came up on set and was like, you know, like, ah, you know, like all happy. It was like one of their lead scout guys, whatever. And so they're talking to him, and Windhorse had a great bit where he's like, I think his name was Mike, so let's just say for now it's Mike because I don't remember his name. So, hey, Mike, uh, Nikola Jokic, nice draft pick. Hey, Mike, Jamal Murray, nice draft pick. Hey, hey, Mike, Michael Porter, nice draft pick. Hey, uh, Mike, Christian Brown, nice draft pick. So, like, to your point about culture – like, this team was homegrown, man. They were built. Yes. They scouted. They drafted. They developed. And they went through it the hard way. And can I say really quickly, this is why I think the people who were like, blow it up, trade Jalen Brown, the Celtics. The, the, the thought that the Celtics are not a successful franchise to me is insanity, right? Yeah. Which is why I yelled at Josh Applebaum a couple of weeks ago on Patrick's show because, they, you know, they kept saying, this thing's not working when they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of four years and been to the NBA Finals at least once. This is why you don't give up. Because what if they figure it out next year? And what if all of a sudden you're on the precipice of two or three titles because you stuck it through? It is easy to give up, but this is a thing that's been building since 2015. This team's been building since 2015. And here we are in 2023, same head coach, same core, and they are winning. Like that's, that's why I think that you stick with continuity as opposed to just trying to blow it up, man. Yep. Yeah, and look, I, I think you could kind of put both the teams – both the Heat and the Nuggets in similar situations with that where, look, we went over the Nuggets roster and some of the contracts they have, right? What, okay, their biggest, like, of course, you're always looking to get better. But, like, for them, it's just keep doing what you've been doing, right? You yep. draft the right people, would develop them right. Like, it's worked so far since 2015. Like you just said, it's been working pretty dang good since then. So why would you change anything different? And if from the Miami side, it's similar but different, right? You've basically done that already with some very, very players that nobody thought had any talent, that yep. you've actually turned them into attractive pieces, possibly worth trading to acquire a superstar, right? So it's it's all homegrown stuff, man. And I think it's it's a it's a nod to both cultures. As much as we want to talk about Miami, I think you gotta talk about Denver's too. So let's spin this forward as we officially step off into next year. Miami's culture is great, but it sounds like it's time to take a shot on somebody again here. And the guy that is being tied to them is obviously Damian Lillard. And 
Ryan Winhorse brought up a great, uh, a, a great point on the Zach Lowe post game thing again, where post draft, I think it's uh, Miami's going to have access to, they think it's their 2030 first round draft pick. So again, they're going to have another asset to be able to ship off another future asset. Yeah. Um, those future assets, people are going to be like, why does it matter? That's too far. No, those future assets matter because you have no idea what those teams are going to be, but that's the value of it. They could be terrible uh, and the down trade, the road there. And the trade can't technically happen until after Correct. the draft. Right? Yep. It's like so, July, yep. right? Yep. Early so July. you're going to have another access to a pick and all that kind of stuff. It does seem that the smoke is really starting to build over there in Portland that Damian Lillard is on the way out, and he should be. I've, I've made my feelings clear on that he should. I, I don't think I'd be surprised if the smoke settles, we go into the new year, and Damian Lillard is the newest member of Heat culture, and it's Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo all trying to do something to win a championship. Yep. And I will be the most obnoxious Heat fan on the planet, if that's yeah. the case. That is... I, I if mean, you're like, Miami, you have to, right? Like, you have to put out the full court press on this. Well, is, well okay. You have, there's you him have, or... Can I throw out... Sorry to cut you off. It's yeah. him or Bradley Beal. Those are the sure. two guys yes. that I think that right now you're putting a full court press on their teams to go and get. Bradley, I'm just laughing. Because Bradley, I, and, like, yeah, I don't Bradley want Bradley Beal's, Beal. Bradley Beal, is, like Bradley Beal joining Russell Westbrook, and may, I think Damian Lillard would be third of this group, but oh my God, it's every offseason. I feel like we've talked about these guys going to the Miami Heat for the past eight years. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible. But the, uh, I think it's twofold. It's it's the, yes, it's time to make a move after what you saw this postseason. Um go out there, try to get that big star. It's worth giving up some of these smaller pieces for, but it's, it's something else too, JVT. Like I have never, I've never believed that. And they really haven't done it. Jimmy Butler was kind like, was kind of that guy, but not fully. I think, I don't think you would consider him a Dame level acquisition. Right. Right. And it's, it, I just don't believe that the Godfathers leave in this game without one last legit chance at winning oh. at winning a, an NBA title. And this year had to have broken a, a piece of his heart, right? So it's, Yuck. let's go out and acquire someone big and get this done for, already. You've made it to two out of the last four NBA finals. Yes. And you've got nothing to show for it. Like that's, and again, I would say nothing. I wouldn't say nothing, but for them, it's nothing, right? They won a championship. And, and by the way, both times you went to the NBA finals, it was pretty quick. Right, the yeah. Lakers won. The Lakers win in five or six that year. Six. Yeah. Okay. So like either way, like you got you got beat up and you got chewed up and spit out. Like that's that's the way this thing's gonna go, man. Like I think you're right. I think that this is the press. Like let's do this. Call yeah. Portland. Tell them you have the third overall pick. You don't want him. We have Tyler Hero. We have draft assets. Take them. Let's do this. Because you would. I'm assuming Tyler Hero's got to be part of that package. Oh, I would think so. But and do you care that much? No, do you, you know what I mean? Like, do you care? He's that a good much? player. No, it's not that we don't care. Like, but yeah, like I'm the core of Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, and Bam Adebayo for yeah. you know like Tyler Hero and draft assets, and maybe some other like Haywood Highsmith or Nikola Jovic, one of their young guys. Yeah, sure. sure. Go. Yeah. Right. yeah. We, it also speaks though, too, man. You do wonder what this is going to look like for them, because again, like one of my pushback thoughts on like draft trading for Damian Lillard, if you're like Boston is what it's going to cost. That's going to be the interesting part, is what what it's going to cost to go get him. Because this wasn't like the deepest team ever already. And Damian Lillard would raise your floor. Oh, but again, doubt. But you'd be going back to bat with, again, like the Max Struces and Gabe Vincents of the world. And maybe you can retain them because both of them uh, are off the books. And who knows how much they're going to make? Probably not that much. They're going to get pay raises, but they're probably going to be willing to come back, especially if they're going to get Lillard. It'd be pretty fascinating to see if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really. I, what, what, the only thing I'm trying to put together, 
we teased it a little bit earlier, but the Shams report yesterday, right? Yeah. That the Pelicans are aggressively trying to move up to either the number two or the number three pick. And please correct me if I'm, if I'm quoting any of this wrong, but I believe that's what it was. Aggressively trying to move up to the number two or three pick to, to acquire and dra- to draft Scoot Henderson. Right. So <laughs> the only thing that's a little, so what are we talking? We're talking about Portland possibly trading Damian Lillard and the third overall draft pick. Like I'm no, a little confused. You know what I mean? Like what? That's why I think it's New Orleans. No is trying. Ha- like I have no idea what's happening in Portland. I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's why I think that the the report is that New Orleans is trying. Right. Right. Not that Portland is necessarily shopping it cuz I don't I don't think man again, I just keep saying it, it just doesn't make sense. If if I'm from sitting a basketball here, standpoint, you know I completely like agree. from like a, from a team building standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're it just doesn't. And if I can see that from 20 miles away as a podcaster in Las Vegas, yep. you know, 20 miles, a lot more. Um <laughs> then, I, then you know the Trailblazers can see it too. You know the Trailblazers can see it too. Um, and by the way, can I comment I mean, the, quickly? The part that really kills me though is it's it's Damian Lillard, right? It's like, dude, yeah. I've been wanting you to try to try to get out of there for years. Like this is your time. Like go. Yeah. I also comment quickly on the status of us as as human beings. I saw on Reddit, right? So the report you're referencing for these those people who didn't see it, it was Sham. It was a video clip, and Shams tweeted which team is trying to make their way into the top three of the NBA draft, like something along the lines, right? And when you click on the video, like ten, like two seconds in, he's like, the New Orleans Pelicans, right? So like it's right there at the front of the video. <laughs> I, as you know, I'm one for Reddit. I was scrolling through, and on the Clippers Reddit, somebody tweets a screenshot, puts up a screenshot of the tweet and says, could it be the Clippers? And I'm like, watch two seconds of the video. Like you can, right. you can yeah, see yeah. who it is. Just watch two seconds of the video. What are we doing? You can't even laugh. You can't click on it. And watch two seconds of it. Like, it could it be us? No. The answer's right away at the front of the clip. It, it's, <laughs> no. So yeah, that's the, the other part. Ahead. That's the part that's throwing me off with this, uh, especially with this news. So we really haven't. Um, I'm just pulling up multiple draft uh, markets right now. So the we really haven't seen. So okay, number two pick. Okay, now I've seen. Now I'm seeing it multiple places. What I was going to tell you. Um, okay. okay, number two pick is only going heavier towards Brandon Miller. We are minus two thirty at DraftKings right now. And if you're sitting at home and you're listening to this and you're saying, "Hey Kelly, I don't even see the number two or number three pick listed," uh, there are some DraftKings markets because, we, like, I have access to all their different state markets. There are different states that have the second or third pick off the board or both. And there are some that have both posted um, the, but like the numbers are, are not, I mean, like again, but Brandon Miller minus two thirty to go, to go number two. So even since this news has come out, he's becoming the bigger favorite to go number two. Um, So I don't know. I guess it's feeling like scoots pretty. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking at one offshore site right now. Scoot minus two twenty five third overall. So, yeah, okay, whatever. Both of them are basically increasing to the spots where we thought they were going to be at. Could we see Zion Williamson get flipped for the third overall pick? No freaking way. I thought about it for a second. Yeah, mean, no like, way. He's never playing. No, I, if, if I'm I, New Orleans, still, I'm trying I, I to convince got, him. I still got too much belief in him. I still got too much belief in him. Man, Scoot Henderson with Brandon Ingram and all C.J. McCollum. I don't know, man. It's a so here's damn the problem. Good team. I, I understand why you bring it up because when I first thought of it, I'm like, okay, Scoot, Scoot, Trey Zion, 
Like, that sounds great in theory, except who the hell's shooting on this team? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're not getting any about? three. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy. They got tons of shooters. But one of those guys is going to have to go, right? Like, I'm assuming that it's, it's no what? Way. Like, what? So it's Zion Williamson, and then, I don't know, pick but a death. Pick some third overall pick. What are you trading away? That's what I'm saying. It's Zion. They're future assets, but. Zion Williamson, draft assets, whatever. I don't know. Pick a player. Jose Alvarado. Here you go. If it's if it's not Zion, though, you really think it's Zion? I think I if I'm New Orleans, I'm broaching it. Why wouldn't you? He's played how many games over the last two or three years? How many times I, are you gonna I play hear, this? I hear you. I hear. How many times you gonna play you. this game of like? Maybe, maybe now because what you he's do that, is, because he's that good of a talent. That's why you sure, play that. It, you play that. He's but he's also that he's that good of a talent that you're never seeing. I hear you. I, I like what we're arguing about right now. Is like the toughest question to answer if you're an NBA executive. I don't. I, I don't think I, it's. I, I'm trading him. That's why I'm keeping. Let's him. go. That's fine. I'm keeping him. <laughs> Sweeten it up. Let's go. We want Scoot Henderson. He fits great. We can slide CJ McCollum over to shooting guard. Brandon Ingram could be our three as usual. Get Zion Williamson out of there. We got plenty of shooting. We got size. Let's do this thing. Let's freaking do it. Win a championship for crying out loud. I mean, the problem is like I, I want to say Brandon Ingram, but you can't. No. He's been more consistent. He's been available. No, you can't. And, and, he, and they're what? Roughly the same age at this point, right? Like, I'm gonna, I like, mean, yeah, look that up. I believe they are. I mean, uh, Ingram's only 25, 22. Okay, the three-year age okay. difference. Nah, I'm in. Get it done. Get the young point guard that's going to help you out. You laugh, but what if it happens? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not laughing at you. I just I had to Google Zion for the for the age. Oh. And I, I might have forgotten about some Zion things that have been happening recently. Definitely don't Twitter search her name because that's when you're like, oh boy, okay. You're in public. You're like, I oh, don't know. No, that's not. I'm not willingly watching that. Like, that's please, please. Uh, I right, don't know, we, man. I just love this. I love you. Know me. I mean, if anybody listens to this podcast during the year, I still love the. I love the Pelicans makeup currently and what and all the art, you know, the arsenal of picks and stuff that they have, like that there is, they can turn this into something really special, but I kind of like, I like the idea of Zion being a part of that still. Damian Lillard and Zion Williams would be pretty good. That would be, I mean, okay. So now you're doing the whole Damian Lillard staying thing. And yes, well, I'm just I, saying, no, because if New Orleans is, if, if the Pelicans are shipping off the third pick, that means Dame is staying. Right. right, right. That's the only universe. There's no universe in which they're shipping off the third pick and Damian Lillard's leaving. So that, and that's, that's what I was bring, that's yeah. what I was bringing up before. It's just amazing that all of this is seemingly being floated. Right. I right. know what you're. I know what you're saying. You're clearing it up. The New Orleans side is the only one floating this one. Correct. But um, yeah. Okay. So so if that happens, then I'll be Captain Trailblazers. I've, I've been them before. So sure, I'd watch it. Right. Damian Lillard, Damian- Zion Williamson. <sighs> Great. Le- le- that's a league pass team for sure. Like I mean, ultra league Sharp, pass team. All of that, yeah. man. It'd be great. It'd be awesome. And it, and 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 if you're Portland, that that's when you get hooked on the potential. The potential of what if he is going to be healthy? Yeah. Just saying. I don't think it's the craziest thought. In the no. World. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because you still got you've got the young you've got the young good backcourt players, yeah. right? Simon Sharp that you're going to be working on, and then okay, you add a Zion. Whew. Okay. See, you're in. You're in. I'm in. Right. I'm in. Yeah, I'm but out. let's uh, let's wrap it on this. Fred Van Vliet uh, enact uh, declined his player option, so he's going to hit the uh, free agency market. He's going to be one of the best free agents available, uh, if not the best potentially. 
if you look at guys like uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving are going to be available. Kyrie, uh, Chris Middleton is not. He's not declining his player option. It's, it's $40.4 million. He's not getting that on the open market, especially after last year. So uh, this is exactly what the top of the free agency class is going to look like. We'll see what the suitors are for Van Vliet. There are, there are rumors that Toronto, of course, is going to be in on resigning him. I think that's always a potential. But teams like Phoenix, um, I would say Miami. I would say um, Philly all depending on how the dominoes shake out, could be looking at Fred Van Vliet. So biggest domino to fall, just very much worth mentioning. No markets up on where he might go or no real indication at this point. But uh, he can be one of those guys, as you kind of alluded to, Kelly, I think if you've got a good core intact, he's the one that could tilt you and push you over the edge. If you add him to your, you know, I was pushing for when there was rumors that he might get traded. I thought he would be a beautiful fit for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, And I think that still would be the case. They're not going to get him, but. Just these teams that have a need at point guard that also have a ball-dominant player where the point guard will have to play off-ball quite a bit. Fred VanVleet fits that style perfectly. And Philly, Miami, and Phoenix could all use a guy like him. I, I mean, dude, I, li- li- the skill set he brings, I I think, and we talked a lot about it on, on a numbers game, but it is, I, I mean, any contender, almost any contender, he makes them so much better. Because you're right, he's not... I mean, look, he can play true point for you. He can play off ball for you, but you know he's going to shoot the three well. He's going to play good defense. Uh, like, I, I, I mean, I, I love Fred VanVleet. We do. I do see some odds uh, some somewhere around the world. Uh, if not the Toronto Raptors, Suns three to one, Bulls four to one, Rockets five to one, Blazers seven to one, Magic eight to one, uh, Spurs eight to one, Miami Heat nine to one. Everybody else that. ten to one or longer. Your Clippers are fourteen. I bet that Heat. At nine to one, he fits. Yep, he fits with what they want to do. He's a okay. he's a solid defender. He's exactly what they're. I, I think he'd be exactly what they're looking for if they swing and miss on Damian Lillard. Right, I, I would he's think a gonna, great plan B if you yep. can't get Damian Lillard. Yep, he's a great plan B man. And and if you what's um and you don't have to trade assets for him. Well, you might have to because it might be a sign and trade situation. Yeah, but. it might be a sign and trade, but still, I mean, the, the assets you're gonna have to ship off for a Bread Van Vliet are gonna be entirely different than what you're gonna be shipping off. Uh, for Damian Lillard, and let me double check. Hold on, let me look. Let me look. Let me look. I mean, look at that. I mean, theoretically, too. Nice little backup point guard for him, Kyle Lowry, his former running mate over there at Toronto. So there's some I mean, continuity that there. That part's kind of cracking me up a little bit. Like maybe Lowry somehow gets moved, but yeah, they have they have a track record of acquiring former Toronto point guards. That really <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I just really well off. I ball mean, you. I mean, I know he struggled the past few ba- games, but Miami legend Gabe Vincent, as long as he's back in the fold, like he can't lose, bro. He can't really lose minutes, you know? Yeah. So someone has to. Yep. See pretty yeah. <laughs> $28 million next year. Um, all right. So with that, Kelly, I think we bid adieu to the 2022-2023 NBA season. And uh, we move on already. We do not rest. The 2023-2024 season is right around the corner. And we begin our coverage this week. Uh, who are we going to have on later in the week? Talk a little NBA draft. Swain coming up on Thursday. One of the NBA draft gurus out there. Uh, he's moving numbers, so he'll be on talking with us. Uh, Thursday at 1230 p.m. Eastern time, 930 a.m. Pacific time. 
Well, that's when we're going to record, but I don't that's know when, when the podcast we, is going to be out. That's when we're going to record. You're right. Yeah. So nobody's going to actually catch it at that time. So don't, Maybe yeah, don't give tune us an in hour at that or time. two. Yeah. <laughs> give us some time after that time. Uh, but just know in your heart of hearts when you see the clock and that time strikes that we're recording. So That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You can, you can say, hey, if I look up at the sky, uh, maybe Kelly's looking up at the same sky that's recording right. a podcast. We're all breathing the same inside, oxygen, bro. Inside a casino where I yeah. can't see the sky. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Or at least we're ending strong. At least we're yeah, at least we're ending strong here. Uh, first, and really quickly, because we're not going to go. Kelly and I do have vacation coming up, so the podcast will go on a break uh, right after the NBA draft. We'll figure out what exactly that break is and when we're going to come back. Uh, but uh, I want to say very much thank you to everybody. Yes. Uh, the, the season was awesome. It was a ton of fun. Uh, Kelly and Steven, I personally want to say thank you to both of you uh, because this was a solo endeavor for a while, but both of you have made it a lot better, and I very much appreciate it because uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and that positive feedback came when you guys came around to help out. So very appreciated from me and to everybody listening. We appreciate all the support because we've gotten some sound, some numbers that have said the podcast has grown, and we appreciate that. Well, we couldn't do it without you, brother, but also, yes, the audience for sure. And, hey, just because we're not going to be uh, recording stuff every single day like we were throughout the playoffs – you can always bother me and JVT on Twitter at That's me, right. JVT at Kelly Bidlin. Andy, we love you, brother. We love when you, when, when you come at us <laughs> over the yeah. heat stuff. Okay. And it might be an exciting off season for the Miami heat. And I'm going to be right there with you. So keep the tweets coming. Everybody, please. you got questions. You want to chop something up. Like I said, at the beginning of this pod, I, this is my reality TV show that I'm hooked on the NBA off season. Float any of your wild ideas at me. I like it. We'll pump it into the trade machine. See what we can come out with. That's right. We're not done yet. We'll have plenty of NBA draft coverage leading up to it next week. So look out for us on Thursday. And as always, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out vcin.com. And we will talk to you next time here on Hardwood Handicappers. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.